We want to say welcome back to the Heights podcast. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And we use this podcast to help you take uh, your next step of faith as we talk about topics that uh, pertain to faith, culture, and the church. Uh, My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights. And I'm joined again this week by our lead pastor, Lee Peoples. So Lee, thanks for coming back. No problem. Good good to be back. It's good to have you. (laughs) So we have been, uh, I didn't do this on purpose because I'm never this organized, but we've actually (laughs) been going through, we've been going through uh, several pods that talk about teaching the Bible in kind of some unique circumstances. And so uh, Pastor Jonathan and I talked about um, how he chooses what he, what he teaches to the student ministry. Mm -hmm. We talked about teaching the old Testament because I'm teaching, I was teaching an old Testament uh, equip group this Mm -hmm. fall. Then uh, we had a couple of episodes where I had a chance to sit down with my brother who teaches Bible as a literature on a college campus. And so it's just been kind of interesting to explore some of those different ways uh, that you can, um, teach the Bible to people right. that, that's besides like a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to sit down with you today and talk about a very unique opportunity that you have had mm-hmm. over these past several weeks. Um, and so why don't you tell, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what you've been up to? Yeah. So several months ago, just in time of prayer, um, praying, you know, Lord, how can I expand out my ministry and, and reach and just helping people? And so um, got an email from Heart of Texas College Foundation Ministry, which is a Bible college in the Darrington unit in Rocheron in a maximum security prison. And they said, you know, you're a local pastor. uh, You have the degree qualifications we need. And we're always looking for people to come in and help teach a, a class or two for us. Would you be interested? So I was like, well, well, Lord, that was an interesting answer to that prayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't on my radar, you know, it wasn't kind of saying, hey, let's, uh, let's go into prison and teach, I, you know, and I'd never really heard, I, I'd kind of heard of the, the program before, I think in passing at a conference or a meeting, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. So I went and met with them and, uh. Uh, what what they essentially do is the the college has a partnership with the T- Department of Justice of Texas, and so these are men that enroll in the Bible College, and it's a four year field minister degree that they they get, and they'll do the Greek and Hebrew and uh, Old Testament, New Testament preaching, systematic theology, you know, a lot of the classes we took uh, on a college level, and then at the end of four years. Uh, if they graduate from the program, the Department of Justice will kind of pair up the guys, uh, and then they'll send them back out to prisons around the state, and they'll become field ministers within those prisons. So they'll start Bible studies, they'll start churches, they'll kind of be you know chaplains to other prisoners. And what really attracted me to that was it would be me as a as a pastor coming in equipping them to do more peer-to-peer ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really, and I don't, I'm going to say it this way, but I don't mean it mean. I wasn't real interested in me coming in ministering to other prisoners. Uh I was more interested. Like as a chaplain As like a chaplain. I was more interested in how can I equip people to minister in their local context, Mm -hmm. you know, because... The world there is different than the world we're sitting in out here. Right. You know, it's it's kind of a different language. It's a different 
system of operation. It's a different lifestyle. And so as someone who would come in from the outside doing Bible studies with whomever, there's nothing wrong with that. I can only go so far. Mm -hmm. But if I can equip those who are in daily life with these men, with the gospel, they can go further, you know. And so when they kind of uh, explained the program to me, and I got a chance to meet some of the field ministers there in the Rocheran uh, unit, at the Darrington unit, um, and, and just listen to their stories of what they're doing. I'm like, man, sign me up. This is awesome. <laughs> but would not have guessed at the beginning of 20, you know, 24 or 2023 when I'm praying that prayer that this is going to happen. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah. So about once a week for the last like six or eight weeks. Yeah. It was a six week course oh. um, that I, uh, it was going to be in September to October because they do two month terms. And so they, they essentially don't have classes in December or um, July. And those are kind of the administration months for the, the college. Um, so I started in September is going to be a six uh, week uh, term. And then the prison went on lockdown after week two oh, wow. for about uh, three weeks. And um, actually all the prisons around the state of Texas went on lockdown. Oh. And so then that delayed me coming in, obviously. Uh, and then so that six-week term <laughs> expanded out, but, but we just finished it. And I think you know what, what was interesting was talking to some of the guys in my class about lockdown is – Essentially, when they're when they're the the, the prisons in lockdown, uh, they're not getting out of their cells. Maybe for they they're getting out of their cells to shower, you know. But then they're they're in their cells um, for the rest of the day for weeks because maybe that prison had a murder or they're sweeping for drugs or contraband or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that's sharing a cell with someone with basically you get two bunks a little desk and a toilet in your cell. And, you know, for our listeners, if you just kind of put your hands out, you're touching the walls. Wow. And you're in there with someone for 24 hours a day for a couple of weeks, and you, you're only getting out maybe enough to, to go shower. They eat in there. Oh, wow. It's not going to the cafeteria. It's none of that, you know. Um, so when they go on lockdown, it's pretty intense mm -hmm. on them, you know. And, and, and so we... We think about all the space we get in our homes, <laughs> you know what I mean? but you put in that context is you're, you're in that kind of confined area uh, for a long time. So how long would it typically take you to go through security when you would go? Cause you'd go in, <laughs> it was like six hours a day. Yeah. When yeah. You would go? Yeah. I, I would get there um, about seven, seven, seven thirty in there. Um, class kind of started between eight and eight thirty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, understand, understand. Like, if you ever been in the hospitals, hospitals have their own time. Yeah. Prison has their own time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we we'd start about eight eight thirty um, when they would call for chow time, which they could call for chow at eleven or they could call for chow at one o'clock. It just it varied every time. Um, you, they get about an hour hour and a half lunch break before we we get out. They'll do a, a count, if you will, once or twice. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm there about 7 till about 3, 3.30 is when I would leave. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I laugh when you say, well, like, how long does it take to get through everything? That all depends on the guards, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the college is on the back part of the prison. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you obviously go through the metal detectors. You enter into the prison 
Uh, so you're in with general population and everything. And then it's the way, the way that unit is set up is there's pods mm -hmm. that you clear through. So it's a long straight hallway and off to the sides are all the cells. And so each little pod has a, has a gate you have to clear. And so you're walking through the system of gates. And so, uh, you know, everybody has their own lines you're supposed to stay in. You know? <laughs> so don't wander off the yellow brick road, kind of yellow path on the, the concrete. And, you know, so the guests are kind of, we're up the middle. The guys are off to the side in kind of their designated areas. And so, you know, you, you kind of get up to the, the gate and you might have 20, 30 prisoners on your right and your left. You're staying there in the middle and, and you're waiting for the next guard to walk up and unlock and you all walk through and you close it and, you know, you keep going there. And then when you get outside, the, the prison or the college has its own building. Uh, it was a building that they purchased uh, from the prison that was abandoned. They did about a $3 million renovation to it. Oh, wow. Um, so it's the only spot that has air conditioning. Uh, oh, nice. The, the, the prison doesn't have ac or heat uh in it they have like big fans i can't even imagine yeah <laughs> you can't, I can't even yeah imagine. and um it has a nice computer lab about 90 computers in the computer lab that the guys can type papers um they have very limited internet but they do have an ability to get on the internet do some research um there's about four four classrooms there's a couple classrooms upstairs you know there's a big library of about five six hundred books and you know, all of that's privately donated. Wow. You know, it's all privately fundraised and donated, and it's it's just a really amazing uh, area. You know, so so long long point of that. I don't know. It could take ten minutes to get through everything. It could take half an hour. You just yeah, you're 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 in there and you're on their time. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, sometimes I would make jokes about doing prison ministry from the inside. Right. But like, I, I can't even imagine. Like, when, the, when you go through that gate and they close it behind you, like, yeah. do, are you, did you ever have, like, fear or anxiety or claustrophobia when you were dealing with any of that? It, it's, it's a little disorienting. Uh, I told Sandra, walking through the prison itself to get to outside because mm -hmm. there's a lot of noise. You know, it's, it's a lot of people yelling kind of across the hallway, back and forth there's a lot of movement you know there may be guards talking and people talking all over you know so there's i told her i was like it's it's disorienting the first couple of times to kind of move through it because it's just constant noise like a level of a buzzing all around you you know mm -hmm. um totally. but then when you when you got into the the college in the room um no i, I you know just kind of very comfortable. I had um, had forty students, you know, in, in my class, and um, you know, just I mean, you know, just kind of felt at ease there. You know, I, I think there was one day I told her um, I didn't feel particularly well. You know, that day, just you know, I wasn't sick, sick, but just you know, how you get to man, I, I want to get outside and get some air. And I couldn't get outside and get some air. Right. You know, and, and that that was the only time I think in, you know, about the seven weeks I went where I felt like trapped. Like I, I can't get out of here without the help of someone else. <laughs> you know, like I can't just go stroll to my car. Like I've got to go all the way back through those system of gates and, you know, all all that. So so that day really was the only time where I was like, Oh, wow, I'm really in here, you know, because once you're around the guys in the classroom, it's it's their way of life mm -hmm. that you're coming into. You know, it's it's their world, um, and you just kind of learn to adapt 
in their world, you know, and, and where they're comfortable, you're comfortable type mm-hmm. thing. You know, you just kind of fit and fit into the room with them. So, yeah. They call you Dr. Peoples or they call you pastor. What they call well, you? They, they call doctor. I don't, I don't ever like to use the title, but because it's a college and it's a little more formal, I was told they either need to call you professor or doctor. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So they doctor Peoples. So yeah. now, you, now you wrote a blog post. Um, about your experience doing mm-hmm. this. And one of the things that you mentioned in the blog post is that not all of the students were believers. Right. So w- what was that like, like teaching theology to some students that, that weren't yeah. necessarily believers? Yeah, so I I, I had a, essentially, it's an engaging theology was the book we used as a basic Christian doctrine class mm-hmm. uh, was the one I taught. And because the college has a partnership with the Department of Justice of Texas, uh, they're not able to deny someone entrance into the program based on race or religion, you Got know. Um, so I, I had a Muslim there, um, had a Jehovah's Witness guy who was a Mormon, um, and I, I didn't like straight up ask, "Hey, are you Christian? Not Christian?" You know. Um, but you could kind of tell by questions you would get or conversations, like, "Okay, man, you you probably aren't saved, or if you are." You know, I had some guys who was like, where's Matthew in the Bible? And then I had other guys in there who could sit and have a 20-minute conversation about the Council of Nicaea. Oh, wow. You know, and so you really had among the 40 this, like, we're super read up on this, and we know a lot of these things to a Mormon and a you know, Jehovah's Witness. And and so it was, it was fascinating um, to kind of lead the discussions a lot of times. Uh, because I would let them as a class kind of interact and help to teach each other. And when we would throw out a question on the Trinity, like, all right, boys, start talking, you know. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, I'm trying to wrap that back up and infuse, you know, if we got way off the track. No, no, no. But I, I think one of the things I try to do with them often is if they're saying, well, you know, in the Bible, blah, 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 blah. Okay, where? Like, uh-huh. show me. What are you talking about? Where, where, where? You know, so I think over six weeks they were catching on to, I can't just tell Dr. Peoples like in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because what I was trying to teach them and and model for them was, no, no, if we're going to share this with people, we have to know where it is because the text is our authority, not our experience. So Mm -hmm. show me in the text, you know. Um, I will say probably our, our most heated, passionate debate was over one day, did God create evil? Because uh-huh. we were doing the problem of good and evil uh-huh. uh, for about three hours one afternoon, and that was fun. And, uh, I mean, it got heated in the room. <laughs> did God create evil or not? <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, and I, I honestly, I lost a little bit of patience, and I will not confirm nor deny. I, I had to slam my fist down on the desk once or twice to get their attention. and. <laughs> And call them back to order and tell them what the Bible said. And so I got home and Sandra's like, how'd it go? I was like, it, it went great. I just, you know, I lost my cool with, you know, 40 violent criminals today in a room <laughs> locked up. And we ended up laughing at the end of the day and it was great. Wow. <laughs> you know, and so it's, I think the discussions out of that were, were fascinating a lot of times having that many different perspectives in the room. And just really neat to see some of the guys who were believers that were further along in their faith, mm-hmm. kind of chime in. No, no, hey, no, man, the Bible says this or this. And 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 a lot of the discussions that happen during break time or at, during transition time, you know, they're 
they're just they're just chatting about it, you know, the whole time. So that was it was neat to see a level of passion and hunger in Christians I haven't seen in a long time. Wow. You know? I mean, these guys just were like sponges. That's you know? amazing. And, and it was funny because one one day we talked about how the Bible is formed, you know, what we call our canon. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we were comparing, like, the, the Catholic Bible has the Apocrypha in certain books and, you know, and, and the Protestant Bible. And we were kind of just walking through the history of that, how it came together. So on the reading quiz, I had a question, true or false? The Catholic Bible uh, has the Apocrypha in it. Well, you know, that the answer is true. Well, one guy goes, well, I circle false. And I was like, well, but what I wrote was a true statement. He's like, well, but there's 22 Apocrypha books in the uh, uh, Apocrypha books. Well, the Catholic Bible only has seven of the 22. So I marked false because there's only seven of the 22 in there. And I was like, well, well, I didn't know there was 22. I thought, (laughs) but I just, I was, I was writing a gimme question and it ended up in a 10 minute conversation. The guy grew up Catholic and he was like, no, actually he's right. There's 22 because he said i grew up catholic i didn't know how many were in so after we did that lesson we went to the library and we read a couple of books on the apocrypha did some research <laughs> and we did some research and he's right and i'm like all right well, everybody gets number four right today <laughs> so, so i mean just kind of that level of you know wanting to learn and learn and learn and i want to push back on something that i think our listeners are probably thinking right here because I've shared that story a little bit with folks uh, who've asked me, you know, how were they, what did, you know, and, and, and some people are saying, you know, well, like, they have a lot of time on their hands. Of course they can read. What else do they have to do? That's funny. That's exactly what I was just thinking. You know, I was like, it, well, they, they're going to have, they're going to be great students. Right. But <laughs> the thing is, yes, they have time on their hands, but they have a lot of time to waste. That's true. And so in, when you talk to the guys a lot of them will say in their story they've shared with me, when I came into the prison system before I became a Christian, I was just wasting my life away. Mm-hmm. But now I've come to Christ, I've found purpose in my life, mm-hmm. and this has given me purpose. Mm-hmm. And so their desire to learn and research and do this isn't coming out of, well, I don't have anything better to do today. Mm-hmm. Their drive is a purpose, you know, because. As Christian, they could hang out in their cell. I mean, go play. You know, I mean, like they they can waste time as a Christian, but that drive that I saw in them was like, no, no, we know what we're doing. We have this passion and purpose in our life, and we want to do it really well. And I was just floored by that. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 a little bit familiar with the program because before um, Heart of Texas uh, mm-hmm. took it over, that, there was a time where that program was being run out of. Southwestern Seminary. Yep. And so when I was when I was in seminary here in Houston, um, several of my professors right. taught at the Houston campus and then also taught at the Darrington Extension. Yep. Um, and so I'm I know that in order to qualify for this program, right, you have to have a really long sentence in front of you. Yes, you don't necessarily have to be a lifer, but it's de- we're talking decades. Yeah, it's the minimum of twenty years. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, yeah, wow. so it's it's twenty years and above. You so know? so this is a person who has has faith in Christ mm-hmm. and they're making a decision, that, yeah. you know, and this is, this is some, I mean, I could imagine for somebody that is looking at, l- looking at that kind of a sentence yeah. saying, look, I'm just gonna, 
Yeah. I, I'm just going to waste the time. I'm just going to, yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm going to. But this is a person who's saying, no, like God's mm-hmm. got me here for a reason. Yeah. You know, and, and so I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend my life. Right. Teaching Bible studies and reaching other people for Christ and doing discipleship. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's, it's just so exciting yeah. when, when you think about that. And it's, it's, it's exciting and heartbreaking in some ways, you know, talking with some of the guys. Of course, I never ask, what'd you do? You know, you don't ask that question. Um, but some of them would share their story. And, you know, one of, one of the gentlemen I had, uh, early 40s, he's been in the system for 10 years. Um, and, you know, he shared with me one day, he said, you know, I, five years into the system, I wasn't a believer last five years. I've become a Christian. And, and you know, again, I've got purpose and something to live for. I'm in this program. I'm excited. And he, he just looked at me and he said, you know, I'm going to die in prison. He's like, there is no chance of me getting out of prison. He said, I will die in a prison one day. He said, but now I'm more alive than I ever have been because I know what I'm here for. You know, and I mean, that's just, whoo. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's powerful, you know, to hear those guys who, you know, on the outside obviously did some things very bad, Um you know, one of the gentlemen, he was sharing his story one day, and, and, you know, he just said it was drugs, and it was alcohol. He had bad night drunk, gun just charged, accidentally killed his friend. He said, I'm never getting out. And he said, and when I came into the system, I was mad and upset with God that I was in prison, that God put me here. He said, then I came to believe in Christ and Christian, and he was like, now I know that saved my life. Wow. Because if I was on the outside, I would be dead because of the life I was living with drugs and alcohol and all that I was consuming and doing. So he said, I know I'm never getting out, but I have life here and I have purpose now every day I wake up to to go help other guys come to know Christ. And, you know, when you hear those stories, like you think my mind just races to Philippians 1. And it's Paul in, you know, the Roman prison <laughs> chained up to the palace guard. And he's sharing the gospel with all the guards. And Philippians 1 says the, the gospel's going out throughout the throughout the prison, you know. And, and we kind of laughed about that one day that, you know, these guys are joining Paul in his prison ministries. Because <laughs> Paul was always locked up in the Bible. <laughs> That's right. Did, uh, did did they have chapel while you were there? Were you, did you ever get to be there for chapel? Well, we would do like a little assembly most mornings together. Uh, with with the there's about two hundred, close to two hundred guys in the whole college. You know, um, I had the freshmen, and um, so we'd get together for a little chapel announcements. Our, our president, if he was there, you know, kind of give him some. Here's things happening, but it was powerful um, because it was simply just simple as a guy with an acoustic guitar, one of the, you know, one of the guys, and uh, we'd sing an old hymn or two, um, you know, on the TV, they had TVs, so we could, you know, put up the PowerPoint. And uh, one day we did the old slide projector thing, <laughs> or, you know, the old, <laughs> you know, transparency thing, yeah. you know, moving that and just an old hymn or two. And I mean, you, you know, and Hey, I, I know, you know, this with music, I love, being at a pastor's conference or something where it's just all men, nothing oh, against amazing. nothing against the ladies singing, but when you get a room full of guys it's singing at their tumbling lungs, it's just something different. And it, and to hear them singing about freedom, being free in Christ, being forgiven at the top of their lungs, standing in a prison, hearing them sing about freedom, just 
that was that was so moving to me every time we got to do that and sing with them. So did you ever wonder if like the earthquake was going to happen? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was neat because I shared that story with my guys at the the last class because uh, we were kind of talking about what we liked about class and stuff and um and I said this is what I really enjoy being with you guys about and so when we when we were finishing up and I was about to pray for the last time one of the guys was like well let's sing and, you know and and uh, he said you know that. They pointed, he was like, he'll lead us. And I was like, all right, let's sing. You know, I was like, what do we want to sing? And they're like, how about, you know, how great is our God? I was like, let's do it. And so there, you know, in our, our little classroom, the 40 of us, acapella, we rocked out how great is our God. And I mean, it was, it was powerful. You know, it was just a great, great thing just to hear them sing and that passion and joy in that. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So did you see or experience anything in that, in this, um, throughout these weeks that just really surprised you? Was there anything that just kind of made you go, Oh wow. I didn't, I didn't expect that. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the level of camaraderie among the guys was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I got there a little earlier one day, uh, <laughs> because I got through the gates faster and, um, and so I was getting ready to go in my room and, and I would, you know, kind of walk and, you know, they had glass doors, glass windows where you could see in. And, and I was, I walked up and I just kind of stopped for a second. I was talking to one of the TAs and they were already doing like prayer requests with themselves. And a couple of them would get up and like give a testimony of some things that had happened. One of the guys had just reunited with his daughter from a, I think about 15 years and he oh, had just wow. just found out he had three grandkids that he'd never met never heard of you know because the relationship was destroyed or you know really broken between him and his daughter but in the last month they had made up and she had come visit and brought him pictures and you know so was, and and that gentleman's about 65 years old and I mean just to, he was just standing up in front of class and I mean just beaming ear to ear and given the testimony and the guys were so excited and, you know, just so that, that level of kind of camaraderie was, was pretty good. And, um, and I think of a surprise and I came in one day and, you know, they were all already in there and I could tell something was a little off. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You know, what's, what's happening? We're, we're a little quieter today than we normally are. And, uh, one guy was like, we just need some prayer. There's some division among us in the room. Mm -hmm. It's like, Okay, well, let's talk about it. And, you know, and so we we opened up Acts four thirty two through thirty six and talked about being unified as brothers in Christ and kind of did a little quick devotion there and had time of prayer. I don't, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want details, quite honestly. And I was just you know we walked through that and talked about the importance of being unified as as Christians as we minister out to people and. Um, then the rest of the day was great. Then they were kind of back to, back to their selves, you know? And I think the other, the other thing that surprised me was the level of persecution some of them are under. Oh, wow. Um, they wear, they have to wear a, a name badge that identifies them as being in the college or field ministers. Um, and, you know, talking with a few of them just said, you know, the level of the way we are treated sometimes by the guards or by other prisoners is is very, very nasty mm. because we are identifying ourselves as Christians. We are putting ourselves out there. Um, you know, one gentleman was like, my celly, uh, you know, that's what they call their, their cellmate. Their celly, he's like, he, he just treats me horribly. 
you know, uh, because he knows I'm in this college. And some of it is the persecution of them trying to get those guys to fail, you know, or trying to get them to blow it or get in a fight or, you know, do something wrong. Some of it's that kind of egging on and, and some of it's just evil against them, you know. So the level of persecution I think they were under was something that opened my eyes one day and got a chance to really talk to a few of them about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. For those of us that are part of the local church, are, are there any things that we can do to uh, encourage or support um, this program or programs like it that are yeah. happening in, in prisons? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I know there's probably some financial ways, but I've not looked at that quite honestly as a local church. I, I think prayer is the biggest thing, you know, and I, I, I don't want to say that cliche, right? but it really is like, I told the guys several times, I said, guys, there's not a Sunday that I have come to church and left church where somebody has not asked me about you guys. You know, I was like, our church is excited that I'm here doing this. And and, and it did over the last several Sundays, people were like, how's it going? How are the guys? What's going on? Where do you know? And they're like, are people generously uh, curious about that? And so telling them those stories I mean, they, they were so excited about that, you know, and I, I told them there's, you know, I, I said, I've had several people like, hey, I'm praying for them, praying that for them. And so to be able to communicate that to that, mm-hmm. they, that means a lot to them when, when people are praying for them and they know they're being prayed for because they feel like somebody cares about me mm-hmm. that I don't even know, you know, type thing. And, and uh, so I, I think that's the big, big thing right now. And, and I don't want to treat that as a cliche answer by any stretch. It really makes an impact on them, um, you know, to be able to say, Hey, I've got, I got people praying for you, you know, and they, their eyes just light up. And, you know, one day they clapped or, you know, some people are praying for you guys. And they're like, wow. All right. Tell, tell them, thank you. You know, and stuff. So one of the habits I tried to get in when I was in, um, when I was in seminary Mm -hmm. was just anytime I'm, I'm on that, you know, kind of that Southern part of 288. Yeah. And I would, you know, if you're kind of cruising down by that kind of Rocheron area right. or you yeah. see the, the turnoff for Darrington, yep. anytime I would see that Darrington sign, yeah. that just a reminder for those, especially for those of us that live kind of on the south side of Houston, kind right. of Brazoria County, yeah. you know, just remember there's a just, just, you know, right across the freeway, yeah. there's a, you know, there's a place, there's, there's a Bible college that's yep. inside a maximum security right. prison, <laughs> you know, where, where, you know, 200, yep. you know, 200 men are are being trained to be, you know, pastors and discipleship leaders and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and field ministers and and praise God for that. Yeah. It's an amazing program. You know, it it really is. It's opened my eyes in a lot of ways and, and it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, hope to get to do it again. Like, you know, they're probably January is the next round of classes. And so they, um, they want me to come back and teach again, but it'll, it'll kind of be on what they can offer or what they're offering, what I can teach. Because I was like, I'm not your Greek and Hebrew guy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm your down-to-earth pastoral ministry guy. And and then what I can do just kind of my schedule. You know, sure. I, I was doing it on Fridays, which is typically my off day. And um, so, you know, there's going to be some things that need to line up. But but I, I'm I'm excited about going back again and, and, and seeing my guys. You know, that's what I would tell them. I was like, y'all are my guys, you know. And they're like, when are you coming back? When are you coming? I was like, oh, y'all just think I'm an easy nay. Hey, that's why you like me. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story with us. No problem. Appreciate and it. I also want to say thank you to our audience. Thanks for uh, tuning in this week as we explored uh, what it's like to teach uh, the Bible and teach theology inside a maximum security prison. 
we would invite you to come on out, uh, especially if you live in the Houston area. We worship every Sunday morning at 1030. We've got life groups for all ages at 9 a.m. And uh, we would love to have you uh, come uh, meet with us in person. We also stream our services uh, to Facebook and to YouTube. We encourage you to uh, find us on social media and you can learn more about Heights and how we desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ by going to heightschurch.org. We'll see you next time.